0: Welcome to episode 67 of the Amanda Wagner podcast, the place for fiercely ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who want to get off the sidelines, build a legacy and claim their spotlight. Now, this is part two of a two part series we are doing about going back to the beginning of our careers as entrepreneurs and freelancers. So if you have not listened to episode 66, I encourage you to go back and listen to part one and then join us back here. In part two, we are talking about some of the things we fretted over, overthought and worried about. We are discussing some of the things we might have done differently in hopes of saving you some grief, some time and energy and giving you a chance to learn from our mistakes. And we share some of the things that only now that we are years in, we can bring a new perspective to. I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner Podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want, and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. If you have any of what I call the gift of anxiety, or you are starting a career, a business, or moving into a new position, you might feel like a beginner. And that is a beautiful mix of terror and excitement. And sometimes those things feel the same. Like we talked about in our last episode, being a beginner is interesting. It can set you back and make you feel like you don't know what you're doing. They are always looking for the right answer for guidance or a manual to make sure you're doing it right. It can also be incredibly empowering, this sense of you don't know what you don't know. And there's an inherent bravery in that. You just move forward and trust your judgment because you don't know any better. In the last episode, Liz and I talked about how we started our working relationship together and how I just reached out and asked that I got my first client by asking them to hire me. And so this this blend of... I look at what other people doing and it's aspirational, but it can also be frustrating and annoying because I'm not there, is similar to this, being a beginner can kind of suck because I don't know what I'm doing, but it can also be empowering because I don't know what I'm doing and therefore I can't get it wrong. In the beginning, there are many things that I overthought. And on reflection, I'm also really proud of what I was able to do without overthinking. There are things that now would take me ages to mull over that in the beginning, I was like, I don't have a choice. I need to put this on the website. LP, how are you feeling going into part two of this episode and having done some reflection on the beginning?
1: I am feeling lucky and guilty. We talked about this a little bit in part one. My beginner story is a lot different than I think most are. It's uh, definitely different than Amanda's beginning story is. Uh, I know we all have different stories about how we've become business owners or freelancers or entrepreneurs, whatever you want to call yourself. Uh, But sometimes I feel a little bit guilty about how it unfolded kind of naturally for me. I was able to build the business while I was working full time and I had that netting to fall into if I needed it. With that perspective, feeling guilty, but also feeling incredibly lucky that I did have the start that I had.
0: This is not here to create guilt or envy, right? We talked about how Liz feels some guilt about it being, I don't want to say easy, but organic. And so it's, I'm not here to, to make anybody feel bad if that was their start, there's no right or wrong way to do it, but instead to explore that we all kind of come from this from different Different angles. And yes, even though I'm envious of that start, it doesn't mean you did anything wrong. It was just a difference of circumstances.
1: For sure. And I really appreciate the start that I had to be able to have that structure nine to five while figuring out what I was doing once the workday was over. I think that really helped me as someone who thrives on structure. If I had jumped right into the business, I would have felt a little lost, I think. So be able to feel structured nine to five and then jump into my own thing gave me a foundation to work off of and helped me create systems and processes that work for me because I knew what had worked that day at work. So let's duplicate this when I get home.
0: Right. Yeah. You did kind of have this safe, I can experiment in this place knowing that I have a job, I have benefits, I have a team. If something goes sideways, we can fix it and then try that on the side. Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting side. And again, I imagine there are still things, especially as you went from part-time freelancing on the side to full-time freelancing, that may have demanded some overthinking because the game had changed. And so here we go. This is our list of things that we overthought and some of the lessons from our beginnings to help you move forward and make progress. These are some of the things that made us think or second guess that took a lot of energy and weight. And sometimes they happen at the cost of making progress or trying something new. So my hope is that as you listen to this, you do not get caught up in some of the little things. One of the things that I really fretted over was my business name. My first name was Retail to Riches, and it was only after I had the domain name, had the email set up and built the Squarespace website that I started getting unsolicited feedback about it being a terrible name. Part of me wishes I had run it by a few people first, but also I was in the beginning and I didn't necessarily want feedback. I didn't wanna be told that I was doing something wrong because it would have shot my confidence. So what matters most here is that you can communicate what you do and how you help other people, and you can always change your business name. Within a year, I went from retail to riches to the compliment, which is a significantly better name, albeit harder to spell, but it really was a change and an opportunity to level up in my business. So you are allowed to change your mind. Number two, I fretted over having a fancy services page or contact me form to put on my website, each with perfect copy and the right language. And now when I work with people, I'm like, you need a landing page that says what you do and you need a place for people to get in touch with you. It can be as simple as that. I see far too many people who are like, my website will be ready next week. It'll be ready next week. It'll be ready next month. And they wait and wait and wait. And all of a sudden a year has gone by and it's still not out in the world. Things change fast enough that you can always go in and edit your website. But you need to have something out there in the beginning as basic or as janky as it is. I wish that I had had it out as fast as possible. Number three, one major thing that I fretted over is how am I supposed to be taken seriously when I have 63 Instagram followers? In the beginning, I remember seeing people who had oodles of followers and being so intimidated by it. I also remember seeing people who were in a beginning stage like me, who out of nowhere were following 3,000 people simply to get followers back to boost their perceived popularity. Or the people who obviously bought followers, of course, I chuckle at this one a little bit when I'm like, you have two posts of your brand new podcast and all of a sudden have 4,000 followers. I don't know about that, but I remember seeing this and thinking I would never have any street cred. I would never be taken seriously because there weren't enough people following me on the internet. I laugh now, but it was in March of 2021. So not that long ago that I hit a thousand followers. And I remember having 10 seconds of being really excited about it and going, okay, now I can be taken seriously. And then instantly going a thousand isn't enough. So there's this moving target, but it all connects to how will people take me seriously? That's a big thing I used to fret about and realize now that I don't need to be an Instagram queen to be taken seriously. I need to have great clients who hire me and pay me money and refer me. And I know Liz will have many things to say on this front. Liz, I've shared my three. Give me something that you have fretted over and that you invite our listeners not to.
1: Well, I have an Instagram related one that I, I still think about. I've been doing this for a few years and I still think about this one. I'm a little bit different in that my business is just Liz Pittman. I don't have a business name. So, and I know that there are people who do the exact same thing as me, but they have a company name and they brand themselves as an agency. So there's a whole brand identity attached to that. I am just me. So something that I have fretted over and still think about is, do I need an Instagram account for the work that I do professionally? Because I have a well-established personal account that is Liz Pittman and the business is Liz Pittman. So I, this is something that, you know, I've put aside for a while because I don't need to focus on it right now, but I do think about this every once in a while. Do I need to change my already present personal profile to become more work focused? Do I need to establish social media accounts for the professional side of things? Can I continue to have mostly just personal with a little bit of professional sprinkled in every once in a while? So that's a challenge that I have faced with having my freelance business branded as just me the human as opposed to having a business name. That's a challenge that I have, that I have fretted over in the past and probably will again, like this afternoon,
0: (laughs) I still fret over this a hundred percent. As you're bringing this up, like my shoulders are tensing up and I'm like, I so get this because one of the things that I fretted over similarly is that my business is just me. It's, Amanda as the human, this is for the compliment and for the Amanda Wagner. But was I limiting myself by saying I in my copy, for example, I help people get off the sidelines and claim their spotlight versus we here at the Amanda Wagner, we here at the compliment do blah, blah, blah. This one I find particularly interesting because I get the rationale. And with the compliment and retail to riches, the language was always weak. The rationale is that you're setting yourself up for growth. People perceive that, A, you aren't doing this alone, as though that's a bad thing, which I don't think it is, but it can have some inherent street cred. And the second piece is that if you set yourself up as we, even if it when it's just a me, you won't have to make serious adjustments to your copy or your website when you do grow which again assumes that we all want teams of we and that a team of me or solo work is somehow less valuable or impressive, which as two women who work alone and hire contractors when necessary, I can say with a high degree of confidence that that's bullshit. There's just as much value and impressiveness in doing this on your own. So similar to you, this, is my name enough? Do I have to separate my business and my human identity? I don't have the right answer. It's different for individual people. But I will say that as recently as last week, somebody I respect incredibly in the business community has made a decision to do a rebrand and is removing her name from the brand and creating a, a studio name. And, I, and, and her rationale is so good. She's like, I want to separate my human life from my business life. And I want to set myself up as more of a studio. And I was like, oh shit. Two years ago, I just did the opposite. I said, I don't wanna be we at the compliment. I want to be under my name because Amanda as a human can change her mind. So even five years in, I still fret over this. Am I making the right choice? I also talk about a. Um, there's a clinic that I had to go to, which sounds <laughs> beautifully caked. I had to go to the clinic. No, I went to a like a bodywork place, and the name of their business is based on their location. So it's it's a neighborhood. It's like oh, I go to blank blank Summerside. So I look up this place but now they've expanded to two locations. So all of a sudden I'm going to this company that has Summerside in the name, but they're actually located in the West End. So there's a sense in the beginning that it is such high stakes to choose your name and figure out if you want your personal identity wrapped up in your brand identity or not. And the advice that I have here is that you can change your mind. What's most important here is that you pick a name, you decide on your strategy based on where you are and yes, where you want to be, but also don't let this keep you up at night. Don't let this prevent you from naming your business, from building your website, from getting yourself out there because there is always space. And as evidenced by the example of my brilliant friend going from her name in her business to a studio name, And me going from a brand name to my name, there isn't one right way to do it. It still creates anxiety. But if we can reduce the amount of time that we spend fretting over it, the faster we can move forward. When I see people who are teams of one, a solopreneur, a one team freelancer, when they say, We here at blah, blah, blah organization, when they're clearly a team of one, I feel disappointed that we still perceive valuable growth as growing a team. Growing your team is not the only way to grow your business and there is nothing wrong with being a team of one. If you want to dig into this more, I recommend the book Company of One: Why Staying Small is the Next Big Thing for Business. It's written by Paul Jarvis and conveniently, if you listen to the last episode, you know that I have listened to Being Boss before. There is an episode of Being Boss where Paul Jarvis is a guest and talks about his book and talks about staying small. So if you are somebody who is debating the I versus we question, there isn't a wrong answer. You have to pick the one that is right for you. But if it's something that keeps you up at night, have a listen to this episode. We have linked to it in the show notes as well as the book. There is nothing wrong with being a company of one. There is nothing wrong with hiring team members. There is nothing wrong with hiring contractors and freelancers to help you out. It has to work for you. Okay, now one piece that we haven't really talked about is that in the beginning, there are some things that maybe we hated or were maybe really hard or frustrating that now I dream of having things that I long for. And I don't mean this in a patronizing way. I don't mean to go, oh, how cute you're at the beginning. You must have so much time to dream. I don't mean it in that way. I also don't want to romanticize the beginning and ignore the fact that it's terrifying to start a new business. It's terrifying to not have a proof of concept or have a plan or to be making money. But I mean it in a way that by reflecting on what our beginning was like, I want to find a way to incorporate some of these elements into my current life. And I'm going to come to Liz and say, what do you long for from the beginning?
1: I built my website when I decided to go full time with my business. And then I tinkered with it a bunch and I was doing updates and playing around to get things exactly how I wanted it. And I never do that anymore. I never Mm -hmm. revisit the website to see what needs updating, what needs a refresh. I have a page built on my website for blogging, and I've never touched it. I've hidden it because I've just never got in there to write. Uh, And I like doing that, but my writing time ends up going to clients instead. Uh, So that is something that I long for is time and space and the drive to go back to my website, because I could find the time. I could find the time, but I just don't want to as much as I used to. So that's something And also setting aside time for education for myself. It happens organically because I must know what's going on in the world of digital comms in order to teach it. I have to know what's happening, but that's always uh, more of a rushed learning style as a, oh, I need to check in for an update on this certain thing, or there was a change to Instagram because God knows there is a new one every day, but I need to, I need to brush up on this before I go to campus this week to teach my students. I wish that I had more dedicated time set aside to learn and improve instead of being so much on the fly. And I think that when I was starting out, I, I did that also by nature that I had PD built into the full-time job that I had. So it all kind of was beautifully scheduled for me already. And that's something that um, I've kind of lost along the way.
0: I hear both of those things, and you're right. the The idea of tinkering with your website, that's one of the things that I had listed, things that I didn't realize at the time would become incredibly valuable. I don't do them as much anymore, and I want to find space to go back to back to. So tinkering with my website without fretting about it. In the beginning, I was like, I have to make a change. Change it. Whereas now, If I have to make a change, it's like, okay, when am I going to find time to do this? What's the change it's going to make? Is it going to impact a link to another? It's a lot of work. And I wish I had just, I I wish I would make time to be able to do that without overthinking it. I also, I'm going to piggyback on this idea of, I want to find more space to take more notes and write out ideas about myself and my business and my brand. Because you're right, when I have time, it typically goes to client work. And I have to do a little bit more of this me first if I want to grow my business. Because when I looked back for the last episode, as well as this one to some of my notes from the beginning, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. Or look at how that changed or look at how I accomplished that goal. And now I find that I have fewer notes about that. I have probably twice a year where I'll do a reflection. And I want to add a little bit more of that. One other piece is that I want to actually do the activities from books and taking the questions or calls to action from the podcast that I listen to seriously. In the beginning, I talked about my my business bestie at that time, we would sit together and listen to an episode of Being Boss together. And we would each have our notebooks and we would listen to this podcast and pull out the important ideas that, that's connected with each of us. And then we would say, great, let's download and print the worksheet, we're gonna do it and we're gonna talk about it. I miss some of that time. And at this moment, I'm like, Liz, we should try this. This would be really cool. Let's pull out a great podcast episode. And sit back, listen, do the activity that counts as work and it counts as professional development, which yeah, isn't always built in. This leads really naturally to the fourth thing that I said, I don't do as much anymore, which is spending time with another person in a similar space and sharing it all. I remember meeting with someone who was in a similar space and just feeling this, okay, you get it there was a safety in being able to share where I was at and being able to hear somebody else's dream and go, oh yeah, I want that too. Or, oh, interesting that you want that. I don't think I want that. To kind of compare notes. Granted, this takes a fair amount of trust because to be able to share these things counts on on building such a relationship where you can share openly and know that there will be reciprocity but I still think it's something I want now. And I can think of a handful of people who are at a similar stage or who are ahead of me and wanting to do this. This might sound bizarre, but the next thing I had written down was that something I don't do as much anymore, but would like to experiment with is saying yes to everything again. Because sometimes in saying yes to things, you figure out that there might be something that you didn't think about doing, but that you actually really like. Or a type of client that you're like, I didn't know I would enjoy this work so much. And yet here we are. So I would love to have a small period where anything that comes my way or anything that maybe scares me, I'm like, yep, I'm going to try it and know that it's not set in stone. In the beginning, I had a lot more comfort with experimentation I'm going to try it. Let's see how it goes. I'm not committed to this forever. Let's see how it goes. Whereas now I've built this up in my mind to feel so big. If I'm going to try something new and it doesn't always have to be, we can tinker with small things and we can say yes and try it. And we're not stuck. One thing I would also like to do more is ask for more, don't ask, don't get is something we say often here. I found Liz by DM, right? I hired you based on a discussion that we had first on the internet. I found my business coach the same way, right? I went up to her at a conference and said, take my money. How do we work together? So this idea of asking for more, sometimes I find myself in my own little bubble thinking about my client's, more than my business. And I have to find some way to even that out a little bit so I can incorporate a little bit more. One thing that I come back to is reading business books, listening to podcasts, doing a worksheet counts as work. Sitting down and doing a reflection about my business is something that can be done during work time, even if it doesn't feel like it. I don't have to Think about building my business on my free time. In episode 37, we dig into working in the business and doing all the nitty gritty client work versus on the business and thinking big picture about what you're trying to build and where you want to go and what you've learned and your progress. And I would love to do a little bit more of that. I'm in a challenging space right now where I am working three half days a week well, I am primary caregiver for the next few months for my darling daughter, Dottie. And it's hard in that limited amount of time. I feel like if I have three half days, I better pack it full of client work because that's the work that is building my reputation. That's the work that is building my revenue. But There is a risk that by not taking any time to actually think about where I want the business to go, am I going to be in the exact same place next year in terms of my brand and the business I'm building? Is that enough for me? Am I okay putting off writing a book for another year? I'm not sure if that's true. Liz, you and I have illustrated that we had quite different beginnings between the last episode and this one. And you mentioned that that carries some guilt for you. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that's like for other people who may be in a similar position?
1: I just find that I have such, and maybe there are listeners out there who are in the exact same boat that I was in. I just feel like I'm in the minority with my beginning story and Often the popular story is, you know, I had to grind and work, you know, 18 hours a day and didn't get up from my kitchen table until I got all of this stuff done. And I needed the business for the income Mm -hmm. and I didn't have any of that. It seemed to happen a lot more organically for me, not to say that I wasn't working hard on the business Mm -hmm. when I got home from my full-time job, but I have some guilt when I play that comparison game, and even when I don't mean to play the comparison game, I just, I follow people who are starting their businesses and it just, sometimes it just seems like, and I don't want to use the word easier, but sometimes it just seems like it, it was easier for me. And I feel bad about that. And it's not to say that my business isn't more valid or the work that I do is less valid, but it's it felt natural to me it, it yes. all of those pieces came together really beautifully for me yeah uh, and sometimes i feel i feel bad about that like i should have
0: I struggled it. more i get it i in different circumstances but i also feel bad because i'm like i i was like i just want to make a thousand dollars by christmas and then boom i got a contract for three grand and i know there are people who spend many months looking for their first client. So I get the guilt and I think what's praised in the business world is the rags to riches story. Yeah. That's what we hear so often. You have to be down in the dumps and things have to be shit and you have to hustle for 18 hours a day and you have to live this broy startup life of eating ramen noodles and sleeping in your office to somehow be valuable. That that's the only story that counts. And it's not, even though you and I can like rationalize the hell out of this and intellectualize that one is not more valuable than the other. It can still feel that way.
1: If, if you can hear like licking my dogs on my lap, it's not me. Uh, Just for all the listeners out there, I'm not. And somebody just came to my door and I was like, Oh, can we hear her? Yeah, Mabel's like licking her own face right now. Um, I didn't set out to do this business to be like a source of inspiration for anyone, but I find like that my story is not inspiring. And when we have this discussion, I feel, and I mean, this is the Amanda Wagner podcast. You are the advice giver here, but I feel like I don't have as much to offer necessarily because I don't have that traditional starting story even though I know that there may be people listening to this that are currently working and want to build their thing on the side. It's a weird roadblock for me because my story is not the popular one that you see online.
0: Alternatively, by not sharing the story of where you actually came from, we are perpetuating that the thing that is valuable is rags to riches, is down in the dumps. I had to grind and hustle to make it work. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's why I want this story to come out more is like, it doesn't, you don't have to come from this destitute place. Mm-hmm. That's a really, there's a point. lot of flexibility. What's that?
1: I said, that's a really good point. I hadn't right. thought about that. Yeah. By
0: sharing this reality, it's you. Yeah. One is not more valuable than the other. Your, your business, your brand, what you offer to the world isn't more valuable because you started from a tough place. Mm -hmm. I know that I've leaned on that. Part of my story is definitely being laid off. But interestingly, we talked about in a past episode where I shared the story about me losing my job. And one of those pieces was talking about revenge and how the best revenge is living well just always felt like bullshit to me. And the one thing that did connect with me is the idea that the best revenge is forgetting how much something once mattered. And I've talked about how every year on August 3rd, I celebrate my anniversary. I celebrate the day that I got fired. And this year I forgot about it. It got to August 4th and I was like, holy shit, yesterday was August 3rd. I lost my job five years ago. And it only hit me because this year I turned 35 and halfway to 70. And it was right after my 30th birthday that I was laid off. And I'm like, holy shit, I got laid off five years ago and I forgot about it. So maybe there's my revenge. There is a turning point in there. So, yes, I have leaned on that story, but that story doesn't have to be the only thing that defines you. And Liz, I would not say that your business is defined by she had it easy because she had a job. That's not it. There are other things that weren't easy. And so I think, and I hope really that people listening to this have this sigh of relief going, it's okay to build a business while I'm doing well. I do need to hear the story. Also, let's normalize that it's okay to have a business of one person for five years. It's okay if you are never a we. You can be I forever. It's such an unfortunate
1: perspective that some people have people ask me what I do and i say i'm a freelancer i do writing and social media and you know communication strategy for people and then the follow up is always oh so you're building an agency no i'm not i just want to be me i mm-hmm. this is i'm just an i i'm a team of one and it's mm-hmm. it's so silly to me that that is the
0: expectation right and that that's what's valued that every yeah person who starts a business eventually wants to just be a CEO and manage other people and lead other teams. And the reality is sometimes that when you move into the CEO role and start thinking exclusively as entrepreneur, then you're starting to manage others and you don't get to do the work as much. And some people love that. Some people want that and strive for that. They don't want to have their hands in everything. but some people are like, it's having my hands in everything that I love. I imagine a a designer who's creating websites and logos and visual identities going, I don't wanna lose that work. I don't just wanna review what somebody else creates for a concept, I wanna actually do it. There's nothing wrong with being an I. There's nothing wrong with changing your mind. There's nothing wrong with the way your story starts, whether you started in the gutter or you started on, on the top of your game. I think what matters is that we build a comfort and a confidence in talking about it and sharing about it and being able to express the big feelings of, I feel guilt, followed by the big feeling of, well, I'm envious that yours was easier than my path. Feel how we feel. Our job is to not get stuck there. So wherever you are at, listeners, the beginning, the middle, or the end, I want to encourage you to think about one piece of advice or one piece of feedback that you would offer to somebody who is just getting started. One piece of your story or one thing that you say, I wish I had done this differently. Two reasons. Number one, because I want you to realize where you've come. I want you to see your own progress. I also want you to see that you can help somebody else by being open and sharing about it. Because I think sometimes we get really stuck in this place where we work just on ourselves or in our case, just on our client work, and we forget how far we've come. So in this two-part series, by sharing some of our beginnings, some of the things we wish we had done differently, reflecting, and of course, the big feelings of guilt and resentment and envy And perhaps loneliness too, being a team of one can be lonely. I hope that you found something that you can connect with, something that is valuable to you. Liz, is there anything else you'd like to add as we wrap up here? Journey is such a woo-woo word, I feel sometimes,
1: but it's your journey. Whatever route you've decided to take and however you decide to
0: get there is just fine. Absolutely. And you can change it when it doesn't work for you, you can change it. I hope that people have have learned from us kind of airing everything. We've put it all out there. And as always, ask us questions. Feel free to say, I'd love to know more about this. Will you share more about this? We will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, I really encourage you to take some time think about what you've learned I know I'm digging a lot into where I've come hitting that five-year mark so join me on Instagram at the Amanda Wagner we'll talk about what's coming up next for our next episode and sign up for the email list at theamandawagner.com I send an email about once a month and it includes things that you won't hear on the podcast or on Instagram if you want our take on something or you have a question you want us to explore please tell us we are always up for suggestions and ideas and in fact this two-part series was inspired by a listener who said people who are in the beginning might not find this easy to relate to they might want to know what it was like for you at the beginning because now when you talk about having clients and raising prices it doesn't connect with people who might be feeling desperate to just get by or who are in the beginning. So please send us a DM on Instagram at The Amanda Wagner. We are happy to explore topic suggestions. And once again, thank you for always being here. We have a few loyal listeners, I say a few, we have oodles, we have thousands of loyal listeners. And I hope that talking back to our beginnings helps you realize that uh, it wasn't always that way. And that's how we learn.
1: We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. Until then, we will see you on the internet. Okay. Love you. Bye.
0: I don't want to see your face. (laughs) (laughs) Get out of my life.